from the Hebrew <clears throat> from the Hebrew Bible comes this word from Isaiah starting at the 49th chapter and beyond Listen to me O coastlands pay attention you peoples from far away the Lord called me before I was born while I was in my mother's womb he named me he made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand he hid me he made me a polished arrow and in his quiver he hid me away and said to me you are my servant israel in whom i will be glorified but i said i have labored in vain i have spent my strength for nothing and vanity yet surely my cause is with the lord and my reward with my god and now the lord says who formed me in the womb to be his servant to bring jacob back to him and that israel might be gathered to him for i am honored in the sight of the lord and my god has become my strength he says it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of jacob and to restore the sur- the survivors of israel I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the redeemer of Israel, the holy one, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. Kings shall see and stand up princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord, who is faithful the holy one of israel who has chosen you and then from the gospel of john comes a story a bit different than the other three gospels the other three gospels straight out tell that jesus is walking along and he meets some fellows that he calls to be his disciples and he says things to them come and see come and follow i will make you fish for people in john the story is different and the difference is important so from the first chapter starting at the 29th verse we hear this of jesus calling his first disciples the next day he saw jesus coming toward him and declared here is the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world This is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me I myself did not know him but I came baptizing with water for this reason that he might be revealed to Israel And John testified I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it remained on him I myself did not know him but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me He on whom you see the spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the son of God The next day John again was standing with two of his disciples And as the baptizer watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, "Look, here is the lamb of God." 
And two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translates as teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated anointed. Andrew brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which translates to Peter. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My friend and former colleague, Roger Nishioka, who once ran the denomination's youth and young adult division, tells a story about working with a young person during the height of the What Would Jesus Do movement. Y'all remember that? What Would Jesus Do? Everybody was wearing bracelets and getting tattoos and all kinds of crazy stuff. What Would Jesus Do? And the kid came to him and said, you know, I'm very disturbed by this WWJD thing. And he says, well, what's, you know, what's the issue? And he's thinking that the issue probably was that, you know, she was worried that she couldn't live up to it. Or that she wouldn't know how to do what Jesus did. And Jane handled that great with the kids today. You know, there are ways that we can know how to live like Jesus. The people around us show us. The Bible teaches us. Church tradition illuminates that for us. And so as he's talking to her, she ends up saying, you know, what would Jesus do? That says to me that I am supposed to do what Jesus did. And he says, yes, that's right. And she said, but I am not Jesus. I am not the Son of God. I am not the Messiah. I, says this child, I am fully human, but am far from fully divine. That's a pretty insightful kid. And indeed, it is a difficult thing to know what Jesus would do in some circumstances. If I need to prove that to you, go back and look at church history as recently as yesterday, and you can learn that we argue about all kinds of things that we find important. From the first century, trying to figure out the doctrine that Jesus fully was fully human and fully divine, clear up to yesterday when the Methodist Church is talking about splitting over the issue of ordination of gays and lesbians. We don't exactly know what Jesus would do. 
And in fact, our tradition, Reformed tradition, would say the minute that we think we do know exactly what Jesus would do is the minute we're really in trouble. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? What, do what the Savior would have done. What would Jesus do? You know that my work with the presbytery means that I work a lot with churches that are troubled, have division in them, are anxious. And I got a call just recently from one of the elders in that church whose pastor was about to leave and said, well, you, you have to fix this. We need, we have to have a pastor right away. We can't live even a week without having a pastor. You know, in the Presbyterian system, it don't work that way. He said, we need somebody to come in here and save us. When I said, dude, we all have already have a savior and it ain't whoever's coming in here after your pastor. You know, there is a reason why groups like AA and NA and Al-Anon have as their first step admit there is a higher power. Because in our own human way, it can be very tempting to think that we can save ourselves and those around us and situations we are in. And let me just tell you, we don't have to live with that kind of pressure. Because we already have a Savior. See, here's the beauty of the text today. And here's the difference of the text as John tells it, the story as John tells it, as opposed to the way that the other three Gospels tell it. Because here in John, it is John the Baptist who says, look, there's the Lamb of God. Look, here comes one that is much greater than I. I am so small compared to him that I'm not even worthy of untying his sandals. And he is so great that while I baptize by sprinkling a little bit of water on somebody's head, he is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. See, perhaps instead of wearing bracelets that say WWJD, we should be wearing bracelets that say WWJBD, What would John the Baptist do? Because if you pay very careful attention 
to the picture of John the Baptist we get in the Gospel of John, what we learn is John the Baptist is the one who points the way to Jesus the Messiah. John never pretends that he is the one that will save the world. John calls others to follow the one who will save the world. And his disciples, John's disciples, are hanging around with him and he says, look, there's the Lamb of God. Just like we have the opportunity to say, look, there's a Savior for all of us. Remember when we talked about John the Baptist a while ago, I was telling you about the altarpiece that's made by um, Grunewald. It is a picture of Jesus on the cross. And Jesus, it's weird because Jesus is on the cross, but he's only about a foot off the ground on this cross because everything is distorted proportionally in the picture. And on one side, is the Baptist. And he's doing this. He points the way to Jesus. WWJBD means we point the way to Jesus. Now, who's tired of me hearing? Who's tired of me saying? You can all raise your hands. You're challenged to invite three people to worship or to Vance Church in 2020. Yep, there was. There was a hand. Yeah, well, too bad. You're going to hear it again today. Because... In inviting people to join this fellowship, we are acting just like the baptizer did when he pointed toward the Messiah and said, hey, here's the one we're supposed to be following. What three people are you asking? You don't have to ask them to worship. In fact, what we know statistically is the last place we'll ever see those people is worship. But will you invite them to soup and stuff? Will you invite them to uh, a special worship service we have? Will you invite them to trunk or treat? Or to hot dogs this summer? Or to the picnic? Or to any number of other gatherings? Where they might get just a taste of the Messiah's goodness. See, I wish I was a cool pastor who thought ahead about things and had bracelets right now to pass out to you that said WWJBD, but, you know, I'm not that pastor. So I want you all to write that down on your bulletin or on your Bible or wherever you're taking notes today or just embed it in your forehead. Think about the fact that even the very little things you do 
point others toward our God. Thanks be to God. Amen.